Thank you for joining us on this week's Comics Pals Reviews. We've got four big books to Count talk them. about. Two Marvel, two DC. This week we're going to be talking about Infinite Frontier number one, Sword number six, Way of X number three, and Batman Reptilian number one. Huge week of books. Uh, lots that we just couldn't even get to. We had to, you know, cut because we just can't. We can't get to everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're excited to talk about these books today. Before we do that, we do want to let you guys know that the Comics Pals publishes a weekly show every single Monday where we talk about the characters you love and all the places that you can find them. We do news, interviews, and if you want our reviews, the reviews for Marvel, DC, etc. drop every Sunday and our image reviews, which drop day and date on Wednesday, are provided to us as advanced copies by image, for which we're very grateful Check out all of that awesome content. If you want to write to us, you can do so in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, you can do so at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Either way, we really appreciate it. And uh, while you're doing that, hang around. We've got tons of great content. Check out everything we do, including our book clubs. I'm sure you'll find something you enjoy, especially if you like what you're listening to right now. With no further ado, let's get into Infinite Frontier. This is by Joshua Williamson. Uh, who wrote it with Zermanico on art and letters by uh, on letters we have uh, on colors rather we have Romulo Fajardo Jr. and on letters we have Tom Napolitano. Oh, I would have guessed Clayton Cows. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> um, so this is essentially the follow up to death metal um and it's not scott snyder but williamson's the guy right now this is the this is the chosen one at dc they're giving him the ball and he's running with it uh there's some you know multiversal weirdness going on in this book it's funny that this came out now just after we read the multiversity book for our book club which actually drops on tuesday if you're so inclined um like but perfect just, timing. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> perfect timing because this book includes several characters from there. And frankly, this issue is a lot more readable. It makes a lot more sense if you've already read Multiversity. With that being said, um, Marco, I'm, I'm really interested in what you have to say about this because I feel like some of this might be out of your wheelhouse. And I'm pretty sure you weren't on was you weren't on the Multiversity. No, no, no. Did but, you read it, though? I read part of it. Okay. Okay. So, what was your take on this issue? Did Did you have any? Did you have any confusion? Uh, not really, because I I sort of understood what the multi like the the multiverse in the DC sort of realm is. Uh, I have a better understanding of it, and I think that I enjoyed the way that they're introducing it because I think it gives us like a bigger playing field where. You're not just on the one Earth, and you know this is happening on that other Earth, and they're happening simultaneously, or something's gonna. There's some calamity, whatever. I think it 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 feels like there's a lot of flexibility where you can be like, hey, I'm the Aquaman from 22. I'm trying to chill with 51, but I got a phone call from like 37, and that that to me is interesting because um, it, it it makes it, it makes for at least in my mind for more stories to be told for people to have their cake and eat it too, in a way where I, I can have my, let's say, 
and they make reference to it, right? I'm like my Barry Allen, but for my specific era of Barry Allen, let's say that I want to be reading. And I think that that's interesting. And I, I think it's, uh, I know that we've been critical of like how all of the stories can exist at one time. And I think that this, depending on how it plays out, might be a pretty clever way to kind of get that. Anyone else want to jump in? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I I really enjoyed this issue, like a lot more than I thought I would, because as much as um, I definitely liked Multiversity, I also definitely, <clears throat> I think, was one of the more critical ones on that review, just because, you know, um, Grant Morrison's particular brand of, of weird doesn't always hit for me. Mm. But... Uh, that was one of those books that I definitely I really appreciated on a mechanical level, and um, and I think it was a book that I liked the more we talked about it, kind of thing, or at the very least, like I appreciated what it was doing, you know. Um, so coming into this, I feel like obviously the timing is perfect for it, but I feel like super rewarded as a reader for having that context and doing that legwork and and knowing what's going on there because. Um, well, you know, I'm glad that Marco felt like he could kind of just pick it up and, and get it. Um, I definitely, I popped for some of the um, the moments, you know, where they're showing off universes that we've been to uh, in multiversity. Of course, you know, for, for anything that I, I didn't uh, appreciate, I definitely was very vocal about my love of one Captain Carrot. So, like, when he showed up, I was like, all right, like, let's fucking go. My boy is here. Um, so, yeah, I I felt like this was a lot of fun. And it actually makes me um, feel like some of the, like, bad taste left in my mouth coming away from Multiversity, knowing that none of it ever mattered or went anywhere. It's like, well, it did now. That's cool. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm glad I read it years later because it's like now... You know, we're we're yeah. we're getting to pull on those threads right away. Like, it, and it feels fresh for me. Um, whereas I can imagine if you read it, you know, years ago, you might still be excited now, but you know, um, some of that heat is probably gone. You know, um, so it almost feels like, at least in my experience as a reader, right? Like, I read it and was like, oh, this was cool, but I I feel like I want more. Like, what what happens next? And it's like, oh, well, there's actually an answer, and I, I I'm excited to kind of follow through on it. Um, a lot more than I thought I would be. The thing, so we were asked once, um, what, what makes a comic book that matters? And I am here to tell you two things. The Flash running around between worlds <laughs> and Psycho Pirate. Yes. <laughs> Those are the two things. Right. You know Shit's about to go down when Psycho Pirate shows up. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about popping. Ooh, baby. That new Psycho Pirate costume, come on. That costume the, is really fucking cool. I'll tell you, DC's been floundering the past couple of years. They ain't been using Psycho Pirate. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Psycho Pirate means stuff's getting real. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this issue. Um I've made no bones about the fact that I'm a I'm a big fan of Joshua Williamson's work, and I think uh, he does a great job scripting here. Even if 
the earlier uh, pages are very heavy on people saying the name of who they're talking to or their relationship, yeah. which sure. is, uh, you know, that's a tactic. He's trying to make sure that you know who everyone is. Um, it's a little annoying, and I feel like there's a, a bit of a more graceful way to do it than he did. Um, but it's not that's not a real critique because you move past that and then it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's a just device. that literally every single person does it in every single conversation in which they're speaking to someone for the first time. Um, that damn multiverse is nothing but trouble. <laughs> uh, that being said, I think that this issue lays the groundwork and it establishes who all the players are in ways that are very clear cut, especially if you know who they are and you know what they're about. Um, and I really love the usage of some of these characters like Calvin Ellis, especially, you know, in light of the conversation we've had uh, over the last few months about the possibility of a black Superman movie, seeing Calvin Ellis here, this is what I was talking about. He's a character, you know, he, he exists and, you know, he's got his own story and they don't need to create a new character or use Clark for a black Superman movie. Just use Calvin. He he's, he's awesome. Um, and, and he's a character that already is out there. Um, that aside, I, I, I love the, the Justice Incarnate team, uh, you know, and it's yeah. going to be cool to see their mission statement put to the test here by Psycho Pirate and more importantly, whoever is behind him. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm I'm interested in that, you know, like I'm interested in like what like the whole element of um, that there are some people that remember that things have been mm -hmm. been rewritten. I'm very interested as to like you know Roy becoming a Black Lantern here at the end, that was like nuts. very cool. Um, all of that, all of that is is interesting. I think there's a lot of threads here that that have me really engaged, but also um, I, I I I was really impressed by the art. Um, oh, Zermanico was, yeah, Zermanico's awesome. And I mean, like, <clears throat> of course, right? Like, uh, we know that uh, Zermanico is capable of some great work here, but, like, I just, like, I really like how it borrowed the device from Multiversity of having, like, the comments um, mm -hmm. from the people, you know? Shout out to Pez, made it in the book. Long-time <laughs> Discord subscriber. Great job, pal. Make a better comment, but you know, you, know <laughs> you can't you can't choose the ones that go in the book. They tried. Um so yeah, I mean like I thought that was really cool. There's some really, really creative paneling, like just on almost every page. Like most of the pages aren't using a typical layout, you know? Like there there's a few here or there, but like there's a lot where you have some really cool cut-ins, you have some dynamic kind of like line work you know you've got like the page we were talking about with you know the the um forgive me what's what was the villain's name again psycho pirate, psycho pirate uh where like all the the gutters on that page um are or i'm sorry all the line breaks are all like lightning bolts like just it's a lot of really dynamic work that's a black lantern costume i just realized that when when you reminded me that the uh the roy becomes a black lantern at the end Oh, you think Psycho Pirates a Black Lantern? Yeah. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's definitely it's definitely a, a version of that costume. Yeah, like yeah. Um. That's, yeah. Go ahead. The uh, the Flash page 
uh, where he um, is Hernandez. going the 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 different time eras in the panels um, are incredible. I thought that was insane. Oh yeah, the 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 one where it's just like five panels, but all like a different art style. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was really cool. And like how it you see his face progressing through it. You know, like him going through the emotional changes in his face as it's going through the time period yeah. shifts. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, so cool! Yeah. The panels are cracking and stuff. Really, really inventive stuff. Yeah, this is the kind of comic that if you're a fan of DC, like a real DC head, you're so rewarded with these types of books. And I think DC does that better than Marvel um, in terms of like rewarding its audience for really reading and paying attention over years. Um, and and this is. This is not lesser than, you know, any of the any of the kinds of stuff that DC has done over the years that are similar to this. Like I think about, um, and to be fair, I haven't read it, so I can't speak to the quality, but I know how people regard it. Um, uh, Fifty two, yeah. uh, and yeah. countdown and stuff like that. Like those are very well regarded, mm-hmm. and this is the similar kind of story to that, where it's like different characters dealing with different situations that are interrelated and then they kind of like meet up and and then you know they have to tackle the problem that eventually leads to whatever the event is and this feels like the lead into the ultimate event that they're that they're going to be uh dealing with so uh, i thought it was great um especially I, I can't wait for more especially coming off the zero issue which like i know i i we, we were kind of mixed on mm-hmm. um this was really yeah I like that this this felt focused and it felt like it was going it was driving somewhere, um, and yeah, I'm I'm in I'm down for the ride. This is cool. I, I it, it lays down the threads that I think that zero issue uh, just kind of like alluded to. You know the the obsidian stuffs here along with um, Alan Scott, the President Superman stuff. Like it, it, the the pieces are there and they just kind of gave us that flavor. But here for them to be like, oh, these are plot points. That that will matter at some point um, was definitely entertaining because it ma- it made it worth the, the read. Whereas I feel like yeah, to your point, we were mixed, and I don't know that I got as much out of uh, the zero issue as a setup as I would have gotten if this was maybe the zero issue or something. Yeah, I think the zero issue was more establishing the wider DC universe post death metal. Yeah, rather than unfortunately, like it really didn't. Other than the specific story about the Justice Incarnate, it didn't establish much of what we're seeing here. So I I, I I get the correlation. I think this is like its own thing, and it's unfortunately tethered to the Zero Issue um, rather than like really having a relationship with it. Uh, Joshua Williamson did his thing here for sure. And um, yeah, three weeks, we'll get the next one. So that's pretty cool. Nice. I, I like this uh, one panel um, where uh, Jade's eating cake and uh, she's looking at Twitter and it says Beatles remix across the multiverse tops the charts. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That was really good. Speaking of, of that scene, I, I'm trying to wrap this segment, but I, I have to shout him out just because uh, it came out. I love Director Bones. Director yeah. Bones is the man. Give me a walkie-talkie to a skeleton any day, man. I don't like no idea who that is. I've never heard of uh, the the other the bad guy that we just talked about before. And I forget his name again. Psycho pirate. Psycho pirate. Never heard of both of these guys, but they look cool as hell. So you, you definitely have because 
uh, director Bones was in um, Leviathan. 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 Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. I do remember him in that. All right. Calm down. He's not that big a deal. No, just, but like I'm just saying, <laughs> like I, I, it's clicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Marco, that woman is not Jade. Oh, who is it? Uh, I think she's a character I actually don't know. She, I think, is fairly new. I don't know who she is, but I think the association was clear. Um, yeah, I sure assumed. She yeah, she's definitely not Jade. Jade is uh, the green lady on the cover. That's Alan Scott's daughter. Yeah. Oh, okay. She was the one who um what what's his son's name? Obsidian. 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 Yeah, he Obsidian and, and Alan were trying to go find Actually, her. Actually, uh I don't think he I don't think Director Bones ever says her name either. No, that and that was weird. He never um, so, uh, sure he so yeah, maybe nobody knows who she is. Does yeah. Director Bones work for like the government or something? Director Bones is the government. He Director- would be he would be like the equivalent. Uh, well, no, that's not quite makes sense. But he he would he's like an Amanda Waller type character. He's uh, an Amanda Waller, Nick Fury, yeah. type of person who knows everything, is involved, and in, his hands are in every pot. He knows every secret. Why is he a skeleton? Okay, cool. <laughs> that's just this is fucking cool. Okay, no, that, that's that's a good reason. That's fine. If the answer is it's just because he's fucking cool, that's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> I just was wondering if maybe he's cursed. I don't know. Like, let's let's talk about sword number six. Let's do it. Uh, I was really excited about this issue. It's got the red text. It you know in the checklist. It's one of the red books, and we know that you know they don't play when they put a book with red text you better read that comic so we did it and uh i didn't disappoint i think this issue was awesome yeah uh, i really enjoyed this yep this is al ewing uh valerio schiti and uh, marta gracia on colors um and it opens with a scene that i was really looking forward to because they teased it uh and it is well, I, I, it's the scene with Captain America and Doom talking. Yeah. Um, and it's not the only thing happening there, but it's the primary opener. Um, and it's really, really good. This is that Al Ewing stuff that I need. Like, I feel like in this particular comic book, Al Ewing was on top of his game. I, I agree. I, I think um, yep. one of the easiest things to criticize a writer for is like when all the characters' voices sound the same or when they sound wrong you know um or or when they just sound like off and we'll we'll talk about that later and maybe another book um but i i feel like al really nailed the voices of of every character but specifically these two in this dialogue they felt very very true to those characters as i as i hear them in my head you know um i thought particularly the line where uh you know, where, where Cap says the thing about how I, you know, um, I believe in a better tomorrow. I just hope we'd all we'd all look for it together. I was like, that's a great piece of Captain America dialogue. You know, that just rings so true. And there's so much inside of that, because, first of all, when it comes to Marvel, I really love when heroes and villains interact in a way that's not hostile. Yeah. Um, when they have a, a a reason to 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 converse in a normal way, and this is one of those. I've never seen Captain America and Doom 
have a conversation prior to the, the Hellfire Gala. So this is really a really cool, um, you know, crossover of characters. But then uh, also, you know, we know that it looks like the Illuminati has reformed and Captain America being willing to do that says a lot. Not because he because he doesn't remember what they did to him. It's just the simple fact that Captain America is not the kind of guy to appreciate secret alliances, certainly not secret alliances that may or may not be plotting to, um, you know, destroy humankind. But we get here why he might feel like there might be a reason that the Illuminati should exist and should be turning their eye to to the mutants because this is a major deal and 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 please let me let me wax a little bit because you know we talk about uh planet Araco now formerly known as mars as an objectively good thing it's great for mutants but it's not necessarily great for humankind because earth has problems like we all know about global global warming and everything else and presumably the mutants could solve all of that and they don't do it they're using their resources their the plants and stuff like that the medicine as bargaining chips and it's not to say that they're doing it in a malicious way but they're not giving it away for for nothing they're giving it away in exchange for allegiance and you know that's in a way influencing the way the world moves for the benefit of mutants so for a human being like Captain America to say, hey, I'm not a racist. I'm not a, I mean, I guess racist is not the right term here, but um, I, I'm not like a, a, I don't know. He's not a bad guy. He he's not have, a bigot. He doesn't have anything against me in any way. Right. Exactly. He's sympathetic to their cause overall. Yes. But he's saying, I don't know about this one. Yeah. And that, if, 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 if everything I've ever said on this podcast has, doesn't make you think, about this that should make you think about it that captain america is worried about about it should make you think that this might be bad i i've been beating the the drum of like the the mutant separation and like this is good overall for the society and for them and whatever and i definitely agree that this was a a step too far It, it was it was too big a flex i think and that if if they weren't on the radar for somebody on planet earth now like they have to be on the radar because they're on another fucking planet that you can see in the night sky like it it becomes such a larger conversation of of what what to do when to cap's point like not all of us are going to go to space right like the what is it? The the joke is that the like the Elon Musk's and the Jeff Bezos of the world are gonna fucking leave Earth. Like right. shit, what happens when that actually happens and the people that get quote unquote stranded? Um celebrate. <laughs> and and um I think that it it introduces so much to the world of X-Men also because uh when you expand out, it's it's also interesting that you know that they're they're only a drop in the pool of the universe. And you realize that now there's a galactic council and we're like, well, f- fuck now I got to deal with the politics of the entirety of maybe just this galaxy. You know, what, what do I do now in with that? And how do they, how do they expand beyond that? If, if that is the plan, like th- this is, 
this is as close to, oh, they're trying to take over the world as they have ever gotten. And that got me a little like nervous. They took a world over. Yeah. They, they took a world over and they're taking they're they're staking their claim on a galactic level to you want to interact with Earth, like we're that first boundary. And I I don't know how to take that yet because it could be like, you know, we're making the first step to a joint uh, a, a joint effort between mutants in the world or hey we're now watching over this place because they are our ward and that might have different uh uh, uh was it ramifications. ramifications it it's an avengers world yeah jonathan hickman that's his story he wrote that story it's an avengers world this is a problem earth is an avengers world yeah i so i I have a couple of feelings about this because <laughs> I think uh, broadly I agree with what you what you guys are saying in terms of like this is an escalation, uh, this is going to lead to a conflict, all of those things I agree. But in terms of like us just talking about kind of how we feel about it and the morality of of what they've done and everything like that, I gotta say I'm still pretty sympathetic to the cause right now because I feel like I look at. The point that you raised just before, right, Sean, about how the mutants could um, arguably do a lot for the world, for Earth, right, uh, to make Earth a better place, to improve the lives of, you know, every living creature on the planet, whether that's by addressing global warming or, you know, um, providing their, their medicine or what have you. Um, I, I would argue that the reason that they're leveraging those things for power is because um, of how they've been historically treated by every country that they have, have been a part of, right? Where it's like, I think if mutants weren't treated with hostility, um, then there wouldn't be a need to consolidate power to establish um, legitimacy on the world stage. And... Like, I, I can't really fault them for that. And I think when it comes to the Mars thing, I think it's fair to say it was too big a flex in terms of the fact that it creates conflict where there wasn't conflict and that they are making a play for the stars and, like, that's an aggressive move. Um, however, I also can kind of see where they're coming from because, like, we talked, you know, last week about how Planet Araco... Um, while it is a step forward for mutant kind, it's also kind of a means to an end because the mutants of Araco would not be able to live on earth, um, without conflict. So they had to go somewhere. Um, so the fact that they made a move that, you know, is, is ostensibly beneficial for mankind, humankind, because, um, they don't have to deal with the mutants of Araco being on earth. Um, but also that mo does move their society forward towards the next step, which is like, you know, to their point, to the point that that is made in the issue, right? Earth is not united. Like, we don't have a united government. We, like, have um, a, a world of countries that are at odds, and we're not a member of the galactic community um, kind of by design. We're pretty isolationist. And, like, the mutants are not like that. Like, they're a united people, they have a united government. They, you know, um, they know what they're about and they're working towards it as a people. Um, and that means that, like, 
you know, they're going to operate in a way that's different than the way that mankind wants to operate. And like, I don't know that the mutants should have to limit themselves based on what humanity wants, because frankly, if they wanted to take over the planet, they probably could. Um, yeah. I mean, could destroy it (laughs) and then re-terraform it. You're saying that like that's easy, bro. What the hell? I mean, they did it in like an afternoon. We watched them. Yeah, the build- mutants did. That's what I mean. You're you're saying? I thought you were saying that Earthlings could have done that already. Oh no 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 no! I'm saying that the mutants could do it. They did, yeah. Yeah, I mean they could do it to Earth if they wanted to. If they were like, "Yo, we're taking over Earth," I feel like they could, as a united front, take over Earth. Is what I was saying. Absolutely. And and they have elected not to do that, right? They have elected to try and be a part of the community on Earth, but they also have their own things going on and their own aspirations beyond humanities. And, like, if humanity, you know, if they have to uh, bribe humanity to even accept them as members of the, you know, um, the world's community, like, you know what? So what? They, they can't try to move beyond the planet until humanity decides that they want to work with them and play ball like i don't know i don't know that they should that they should have to be limited in that way i mean i don't think they have to be limited in that way but i think it becomes more of an existential threat for humans because like on on the ground right um i'm legit sitting on the only ground i've ever known and now human i mean now mutants have free access to literally two planets like that 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 becomes a different conversation i think um because it's it's no longer about necessarily the integration aspect like from there you can see oh well they are inherently a superior race in terms of or not like a superior collective compared to what we humans could do on on earth they could legit terraform the entirety of mars in 15 minutes and you're right they totally could that could do that to to earth but how am I going to reconcile that with the fact that, oh, it's only because we have a good guy or a group of good, well-established people who don't think to turn on the the earth and it, it takes the one the one zealot, let's say. I mean, yeah, but I, like that's that's kind of the thing, right? Like the fact that we have that inherent fear of mutants is like why there is the conflict between humanity and, and mutantdom and like why like we inherently are at odds because like mm. you don't think no i think that this was a show of hubris on a level that is yeah. insane like that's planet sized hubris yeah and they did it unilaterally <laughs> thank you marco they did it unilaterally. There was no conversation. They sprung it on Earth. They sprung on Earth that Mars is theirs. Yeah. That's rough. And I don't think that that can be swept under the rug. That's a big deal. And of course, there's going to be a human response. And I don't know that that's wrong. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, this is if you really want to work together, let's work together on that. Let's talk about that. Let's heal the world. Let's make it a better place. Let's 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 terraform Mars as a unit. Let's figure out what we can do about all these problems. They're not interested in that. They're like, we're out, and that's it. And the the Araco element that you laid out, they told they didn't know they didn't tell. 
they chose how they were going to solve the Iraqo problem without speaking to anybody about it. So they're saying we're we're different. We're doing what we feel like doing. We share this planet because we have to. But by the way, we don't have to. We could be out to Mars, but we're going to be here anyway. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. what's your what's your agenda? There's no conversation about what the agenda is. There's no open forum. That's a big deal, bro. On Earth right now. <laughs> Even though Earth is not united, we have councils where they talk about these things. Where's where's the mutant um, uh, representation in that? But so, where are like, they telling what their plans are. What if you compare that to the situation with like Wakanda, though? Like they have a an intergalactic empire and like have a representative on the Galactic Council and are operating outside of Earth's borders of of their own volition and not. You know, Grant, they didn't take over a fucking planet, I guess, but you know. Um, like, why is that so much different? They're human beings, number one. So that uh, makes it okay, though? Like, well, mut- do mutants have to run everything well, by humanity? Let me finish what I'm saying. So they're human beings. They didn't take over an entire planet. They've been willing to engage and help in situations where they were needed many, many times. And they have good relationship with all the other, as far as we're aware, countries who are forerunners of earth. So what that tells me is that they're, they have the ability to make those choices because they're integrated into earth. Mutants are not integrated into earth. Well, to, to add to that, it's like, it's, it's almost like having a space program. Like I would, I won't, that won't knock a country or group for having a space program, you know, like within, within that realm, sure. They operate outside the same way that, you know, the U S Russia, et cetera, operate, within a certain degree of freedom outside of uh, Earth's gravity, you know? So, like, but here's my question, right? So if the mutants go to the people of Earth and they're like, hey, we're, we were, we're going to terraform Mars. Like, we want to we wanna take over a planet. That's what we're going to do. And, and humanity's like, no. What? Like, they're just supposed to be like, okay. That's a very black and white way to put it. I mean, it is. I'm it sure is. that would be a lot more... Uh, involved than just hey we want to do this no um, I don't I don't think that's how that would go if the conversation went in a complex fashion and it ended on no that's something different but I just don't feel like that would be the I don't feel like that would be how it would work out I guess I guess what I'm trying to boil it down to right is like should mutants and Krakoa be subject to human laws and norms I mean you want to live with humans. Like you, there has I mean, to do, be compromise. Do they though? Like they have their they, own island now, but they're on Earth. Yeah, they invited Earth people to the gala. Why? To show them this. Why? That's true. I'll give you that. It's a flex. It's absolutely yeah. a flex. <laughs> and I think that that hubris. I I think that what Jonathan Hickman is telling us through these stories is that that type of shit is going to bite them. Yeah, and that Probably they shouldn't the be doing it. Yeah, yeah. that's what Damn. I think. But we I hope not. We got to We got to uh, move forward. And, and there was uh, there was other stuff to talk about in this issue. We did have the Galactic Council conversation, which really just featured more kind of of the debate that we're having now. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and it was cool, more flexing, frankly, by the mutants, uh, by brand um, and just kind of, you know, showing off what they can do. They have this new material now that they have um, that they're trying to use as currency across the galaxy um another major flex like here use our currency now um deal with us instead 
You know, like right. calling themselves the capital of the solar system. That's a yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um and again, oh, it's Doom, just a solar system. <laughs> again, Doom, uh, with some really, really good points. Um <laughs> it's 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 cool. Um he he wants to know who is in charge on Araco. And fucking this come was on. Amazing storm yeah, comes out. Bro. And then and a beautiful page at that. I'm Incredible. Here, watching. Uh, just a beautiful page. Uh, her and all her glory. If you'll recall, she said she was leaving Krakoa, that she was going to be doing her own thing. This was her thing. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Although um, I'm not as clear on how that makes sense timeline wise because it seemed like the plan to terraform uh, Araco or Mars came about real fast and it seemed like Storm knew for a time that she was leaving. But um, putting that aside, that was a cool uh, thing and impeccably showcased by Valerio and Marta Gracia. Incredible wow. work. And I love how she just comes in and just drops every single one of her aliases. Like she's yeah, like a fucking no. wrestler or a rapper or like a famous like crime lord or something like that. Yep. <laughs> AKA, 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 AKA. <laughs> and like well deserved because I feel like we've 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 felt like she's been not a big player on on yeah. the the Hoxpox sort of realm, and now she and rules a fucking planet. Yo, that's that's some that's some big dick shit. Like baller, yeah, I love it. I fucking love it. I, I had one question at the very beginning of, and I looked back at um, Planet Size X Men, but when um, Cap and Doom are having that conversation, Cap has a flower on his chest, and it mm-hmm. looks like uh, the flower of an orchid. They were they were given yeah that. were yeah, they, they were, yeah, it's like they a were corsage or whatever because he didn't have it in the 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 previous two issues I looked back because I was I, I just noticed that as I was I was opening it up now it it could have been an error of some kind but I'm I I specifically remember that they were giving those out yeah okay. they were they were supposed to wear them okay okay um we we have to talk about how this issue ends it's kind of like an almost an epilogue to the rest of it but. Uh, Magneto's kind of like reveling in what he did and how awesome he is. And he has invited none other than his former daughter, the pretender herself, Scarlet Witch, to uh, be in the fold. And I really love the way that she's drawn here. I think she looks awesome. Um, But she's clearly very like intimate, not maybe intimidated is the wrong word, but she's kind of scared. The environment, Magneto, she knows what the reputation is about her clearly based on the dialogue again tremendously scripted scene um and in the end magneto says you are my daughter wanda my you are my daughter wanda you will always be my (laughs) daughter and i will do what i must to make things right i don't believe that um his helmet being in the foreground the way it is just for some reason makes me feel like eh, nah not so much i don't know what it is it reminds me you think he has um... an ulterior motive or I said I think he's gonna kill her, right? Yeah, yeah like, same. I I think she, I think he's gonna make a display of her, and I'm like I said, I'm probably wrong about that. I said this on the main show, so if you didn't hear that, I my theory is that the person who will die that causes the trial of Magneto is Scarlet Witch. I'm probably wrong, but I feel like he he's gonna do a show um, of her death. If- I I had the same exact feeling based off of this interaction, and I think it's gonna be I forget what they call it, the crucible. I think it's gonna be a crucible sort of event. <gasps> oh, 
with her. That's really interesting. He does say he's going to put things right. Right. That's I was a gonna, great. That is a great idea, Marco. And what if he does that and she doesn't come back? She stays dead because she's mm-hmm. really, really not a mutant. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I, I, it's funny. I don't know. I didn't read it that way at the time, but when you say that and I see the bolded and I will do what I must to make things right, it's like, yeah, bro. Ooh, God, I saw that. That in that context sounds fucking sinister, and it's like it could be. Yeah. Um, this was an awesome issue. We have to move on. The art was tremendous. Uh, thank goodness that Valerio is going to be on Inferno. Because that we're assured that that book is going to look great. He's one of several artists, but it's going to look great. That's like another um, is another ten out of ten. Great issue. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is my book of the week. What a week. Uh, let's talk about Way of X uh, number three. Cy Spurrier, Bob Quinn, uh, Java Tartag- Tartaglia on art on colors rather, and Clayton Cowles on letters. Tom Miller doing the designs as always. Um, visually. This issue definitely stays in line with the way that the X-Books tend to look. We've celebrated Bob Quinn's work throughout on on the previous two issues. And for me, there's nothing different here. I think visually this book is impressive. Um, If a little, uh, you know, outside of the one page where they showcase uh, the two characters whose names are escaping me in the immediate, having the like love connection through legion yeah yeah. outside of that particular page i would say that the paneling is pretty um basic but i don't think that that's not a that's not a negative criticism i think basic panels are fine especially in a talky issue like this um i think which boy oh boy is this a talky issue there's just a lot of dialogue and Cy Spurrier just has no muzzle on his mouth like, <laughs> that man writes uh, but he writes well, and it makes the dialogue tolerable, um, even if I wish there was a little bit more forward momentum. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Marco. No. Okay. Um, I was going to say, yeah, this is also a horny book. Um, I, I appreciate that on size part, that like it, it challenges the, the laws that get set for uh for the for the mutants and that's obviously like it, it was an interesting conversation um about you know uh, the, the kids that get left over how to proceed and within like an idyllic society um it was just cool like th- these are the conversations that i would expect to be had within a more religion focused book but keeping it outside of like a direct religion which was interesting um so yeah, I, I just thought it was it was a nice way to also expand on some of the the personal beliefs within um within the the mutant people. Absolutely, Kel. I to sort of I don't know take take the other side of that. I don't know this book doesn't it doesn't feel to me quite like it doesn't quite feel like what it set out to be to me. It feels a bit more. Um, frivolous, frolicky. Yeah, like he's just kind of like taking his time and doing whatever he wants, kind of situation. Well, the like the premise of the book, right, was Nightcrawler is going to take his time to figure out 
what all this is and what all this means. Mm-hmm. But it 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 sort of feels to me just like another romp through Krakoa. Okay. Okay. Which to a degree, you know, is something we need and have needed, but it doesn't feel like what this book was on its outset. I'm with you in that I don't know that we're getting what we were promised three issues in. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's pivoted super fast. Maybe it's because it was released one issue and then the Hellfire Gala kind of got rolling. Yeah, um, that could be why. But you had a, they had to have known that. Like it's not like a surprise that like the Hellfire Gala didn't come from nowhere. Um, I think that the concept of Way of X is too. It's too big and broad hmm. in a to also have to do the apart of the onslaught thing that they're that they're going hmm. with like there's a there's a lot of other things at play and frankly i think the book we were promised would have i don't i don't i think it would have been boring and that's entirely possible i just i don't know that i like this either or instead yeah hmm. um i'm really disappointed by uh legion just hanging out <gasps> my man's just he's doing his thing he's just legion he's got that great big hair who cares walking around no shirt <laughs> i just like everything about legion is so big and so heady it's so dangerous he's just hanging out Legion, whatever. <laughs> David, what's his name? He's the kid of Xavier. He's just chilling. I'm done. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, I definitely get what you guys are putting down. Um, but I, I, I think for whatever reason, it maybe it's the scripting, maybe it's the the fact that I like the cast and I like the art. But like this one, I think it, it's working for me. Um. And I feel like it kind of feels to me like what I wanted to get a little bit more out of with Marauders, where it was like it felt like it was setting up a book with characters that I liked that were going to be doing something that was um, going to like allow us to explore some of the like, you know, broader themes of Krakoa, um, you know, through like some more traditional superhero plotting, you know? Just you mean? Do you mean X Corp, or you really meant Marauders? Actually, X Corp is maybe a better example. Okay, um, yeah. So, so let's use that. Um, and and I I think that this is kind of hitting that note for me because Nightcrawler is still getting the opportunity to like have those conversations and and like is kind of like waxing philosophic about religion and like the the bit about like what's ha- what happens to all these children that we're making now right when no, no like you have um you know this <laughs> shangri-la like where you, everybody can basically just have you know uh consequence free orgies all the time if they want to and and then like also expect them to like raise kids um well, and that's maybe not what they want to do so I, I I like that we're able to kind of like explore some of those things and and do so in a way that feels satisfying to me. 
um, and and like feels like it rings true on some level and raises interesting questions about like mutant society and like the the ramifications of some of their you know their lifestyles and their beliefs and like you know what is the natural conclusion of some of those things um and i've appreciated that the book has like had an opportunity to do that i i definitely get what what you guys are saying about not feeling like it's the book that was promised and feeling like the rhythm of it feels weird because you get like one issue and then now we're like already deep in the hellfire gala stuff um but i also feel like for whatever reason that's not bugging me because i think like the hellfire gala being like a major mutant social event and that you know nightcrawler's solution uh to what he's been dealing with lately is to go there and get too drunk and try to like corner people and talk to them about the religion and like what he's been thinking about like feels to me like a really good representation of what this book is really about you know and it's that like he is grappling with those things and trying to explore them um but that like it's he's kind of collapsing under the weight of it a little bit you know um, that, that that scene reminded me of my brother like whenever he talks about his stocks like he he he, walk, he legit will have a party he'll walk up he's like guys so you guys understand what like is going on with the options and the calls and this i'm like bro we're having a conversation about like something unrelated like kitchen appliances like where is this coming from <laughs> so i i definitely feel you pete i guess my thing is like that it spurs other questions that the book doesn't attempt to answer and that's my problem with the the, the idea of like we're going to talk about this so for example when you talk about um you know people having children uh and then who's going to raise them i definitely get that question but the way that mutant kind is presented on krakoa it's like they're one big family um they don't talk about housing so we don't really know how they live mm-hmm. other than that they appear to have no jobs they appear to have no real concerns about any type of item they might need. Uh, all their needs appear to be met. So in a scenario like that, where everybody's just happy and everyone's needs are met, uh, children are likely to be cared for by the community. And that's not abnormal. There are plenty of places historically where that's the case, um, especially in like households that are or communities that are let's say uh spanish a lot of times we raise each other's kids that 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 is a thing that happens um just throughout history that's a very human thing to do and that's considering people having jobs and careers and money problems and all this extra stuff that the mutants don't deal with and the book completely glosses over that that's to me is a part of the conversation that the book should be having and it doesn't choose that. And because it's trying to have a conversation about something like this, the fact that it doesn't consider all the, the variations that bothers me. And I, I, I definitely get where you're coming from. I, I feel like, I guess I'm just, I'm still at a point where like, I'm giving it rope because I'm appreciating that it's like bringing those things up and I'm kind of hoping that we're going to continue to, and maybe we won't explore that specific thing to like its natural conclusion. Um, but like, I hope we do. Like, I hope we continue to grapple with those kinds of things. Cause I'm not like, um, 
like even coming at that as like a moralistic like oh what does that mean about like the fabric of their society yeah. but more like well, what does that look like you know like what does it look like then if like if if the community raises the children like you know they were talking about like needing to break down the societal barriers and make the mutants feel like a people and like more of like uh you know um almost like a clan kind of like structure right where it's like everybody's kind of like a loose family and that it is more of like that kind of, of of a community and like it's interesting to me to like ask those questions and like think about like what is what do those things look like for a society that isn't capitalistic that doesn't have the same concerns about property that is immortal that you know um isn't work oriented you know and and it maybe isn't even family oriented you know like show it yeah, yeah. Like let's let's do that shit. Like, I hope the book continues down that that path with some of it. You know, the, the core problem is that none of those ideas are rooted in people. Uh the scene with the two women whose names I keep forgetting. I need to look it up right now. Um, that where they're having like a sexual experience through Legion. Oh, oh. Um, I'll find it. Uh. They, they, it, it's uh, it's Mercury and Loa, right? Yeah, Mer- yeah, I think yeah. That's it. Okay, so that scene doesn't have anything to do with anything that you just talked about, and I feel like it should. I feel like if we're gonna explore, you know, what does having children look like? Should everyone have children? Gambit and Rogue should be in this story because Gambit and Rogue in uh, Excalibur have talked about whether or not they're going to have kids. And that's been a subject of conversation for these characters. They are like the first couple outside of Jean and, and, and Cyclops. That should be something that they deal with. Um, Jean and Cyclops are literally parents. Where are they at? Like, Root the, root the idea in characters we care about so we can connect with it. Right now, we're just talking, and that's what's making the book feel slow yeah. because there's not character progression. That's my personal issue with it. On top of the fact that it's also at the same time, time trying to do this whole onslaught thing, which feels completely divorced from everything else. That feels like it should be in a, a whole other book. I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. Um yeah, and, and I think you're right. Like, right now, we're just kind of talking about that stuff. And, and for now, I'm interested in that. But I, I do hope that we get deeper than that. Because, like, they, they also kind of brought it up earlier in the scene where he's, like, it's all from Kurt's perspective and he's just drunk and, like, talking to everybody, which I, I thought that was, that was cute. Yeah, that was good. Um, that was a really good scene. Uh, and I, I'm not familiar with the two characters, but there's it's the, the elf-looking guy with the long hair Um and uh, and then there's like another like younger black dude that that Kurt is talking to, and he's like, yeah. th- he's talking about how the concept of like the first law of Krakoa is very heteronormative, right? Like make more mutants, um, and like that does play into like what we're talking about, right? Like the idea of like you know uh, what is the mutant family structure supposed to be like like ideally anyway right like what what do the what are like the mutant powers at b envision that as and like you know if that is the law like what is the subtext of that like those kinds of things i want us to really go deeper on some of those those questions i'll be honest that line really frustrated me um expound. because sorry oh, yeah. expound because 
I think that the the law being heteronormative is pretty irrelevant in the sense that if you want to have children in a in a biological sense barring mutant powers you do you need a man and a woman you, you that it's just it is what it is and i don't think that it's relevant whether or not the law is heteronormative because in order to have children that's what you have to have so who cares it felt like a throwaway that tries to introduce something that's salient but it just it falls apart if, in my opinion if you think about it for two seconds because yeah okay if you're it, it, yes the law is heteronormative so what you have to have kids this is the only way to do it but i think that's the the question is like do you have to have kids well what type of question is that of course you do why they're an immortal society but having children is an innate thing it's a thing people want to do the first law isn't go out and fuck everybody you want the first law is make more mutants right it, but that's my point what if you don't want to do that then don't but it's, a it's law. not a law but okay but you're you're being very it's not a law like do this or go to jail no i know i know and that's the thing is like i'm 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 raising the conversational point you know and like i think that's the thing is like that's the thing that people do when they're drinking at a party right like you have you raise those kinds of questions you have that conversation for the sake of the conversation um, and I think that, you know, you ask like, who cares? It's like, uh, you know, a gay couple might, you know? And I think like, that's like, uh, I, I think in the terms of like the dialogue, and I'm not saying that you're, you're, uh, making that point broadly. I mean, like in the context of that conversation, right. Um, I find those things interesting. The idea of like what mutants, how mutants are talking about the way that they're very, very young society is is forming you know and like what are the values that they that they hold dear or whatever right and like do all the people of Krakoa agree with what you know the council decided are these three laws I don't know you know and that that's kind of interesting to me yeah yeah I just I really feel like I just wish he would present these things in a more compelling fashion but um uh was there anything else that stood out to anybody about this issue, um, I guess. I mean, we obviously have to talk about the the onslaught um, of it abortion. all. Yeah, yeah, the onslaught of it all. <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's obviously very interesting. Um, we we kind of touched on it a little bit on the main show. Like, there are some pretty big implications of that, and the book does kind of allude to that in one of Nightcrawler's little you know, journal entries um, about how, you know, this being a, a result of of the two, you know, most visible founding fathers of Krakoa, like, could very much shatter the, the foundation that everything is built on and, you know, um, could potentially point to them being compromised in some capacity. Yeah. Obviously, those are very interesting questions. Um, I don't know. I think that, like, that could be the case, but it also feels like that's a little obvious. Um, so I also feel like that could be a red herring because that feels like some shit that Hickman would do. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that that, that, uh, that what you pointed out, that, that, uh, infographic, um, the onslaught revelation three one nine is very good. Like I often, I've been on record. I really don't like a lot of these. Um, but this one was real good. 
and it, it helps. It actually helps to talk about what's going on without having to de devote like tons of pages to what's going on with Onslaught and give us an idea of what people think about it. Um, uh, the being known as Onslaught, to quote Dr. Nemesis, is a unique etheric chimera created from the combined psychic profiles of Professor X and Magneto. It is one of the most potent adversaries mutant kind has ever faced. It seems driven most pointedly by whatever unconscious desire the two men had or have for domination. And its boundless power is restricted only by its access to sustenance. I think that that, that uh, uh, desire for domination is not theoretical. And I think that it's very direct now uh, on the part of Magneto and Xavier. And I like, I'm really worried for Krakoa. Yeah, I think I think they are heading toward a fall. Yeah, it's getting bad. Uh, let's talk about Batman Reptilian number one. Uh, this is by Garth Ennis, who we actually got to interview a few months back. Uh, Liam Sharp, who did the art and the colors and the cover. And Rob Steen, who did the letters. Uh, very different art than I've ever seen from Liam Sharp. Right? Bro, my yeah, dude is a chameleon. I was yeah, so surprised by that. It looks so that, different. All painted. Well done, Marco. <laughs> uh, and, and I know you were sitting on that. <laughs> uh, very Arkham Asylum. Yes. yes. Yeah. It looks, like, really like, like um, it looks like pastels. Um, like, which is why you get like the multicolor and the in order to get certain um skin tones and moods. It's really interesting. I don't know if it worked oh, all the time for me, um, but uh, it was yeah, I don't know if it always worked, but it was it was cool. There were moments where it got like it felt too shiny. Um, which I is agree of, of that style. Um, but uh, you know, I'll take it, it's good. I think the the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. Um, I think what I don't like about this style, it, it reminds me of um, the Alien book that um, that Marvel's got going on right now. I, I remember oh. I felt kind of similarly where it's like there, it, the the shininess really is kind of off putting, but it, but it's mostly in scenes where it's very normal things that are happening. It's the not normal stuff that looks great. Like there's this scene where um you know Batman is uh, uh interrogating that Russian dude and like there's this scene of him standing over him you know and he looks like he looks like ethereal he looks like a, a creature you know um and it's a striking image and it's very cool um I think the scene you know the cut-ins of the close-ups on the other guy's face where he's talking don't look as good. I think like the conversation between like Batman and Alfred in the Batcave that doesn't look as good, you know, because it's just normal people talking, and I think that looks a little stiffer. But like the close-ups, the the more dramatic posing, the wide shots, I thought that stuff was really impressive. Yeah, I I, I had a love hate relationship with this comic book. Hmm. Um, I am admittedly not as big into the like um exaggerated expressive stuff mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of this is i mean look like look at penguin like on this particular page that i'm holding up for you all on youtube his he looks like an elephant not yeah. penguin the yeah the joker looks wild in a way i've never 
even thought of the Joker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He looks and like I a know, creature. I know that this kind of thing hits for some people. They don't hit for me. That's not my thing. Um, the dialogue was sometimes extremely good. Uh, yeah. Garth Ennis, just there's a darkness about the way that he like scripts that fits Batman perfectly in spaces. But then there were times where Batman was like overly verbose in an English, almost, like darkly poetic way. English. He yeah. sounds he sounds European, like, and that yeah. was the thing that I'm just like the he sounds like Alfred, like he sounds very like prim and and proper a little bit, and like it just doesn't. The Americans don't talk that way. There's an aspect to Bruce's character that feels because uh, he is super rich and stuff, but sure. like the way that he's talking, just I've never seen this before hmm. to this degree. I think also there were times, and and when when I recall feeling this was specifically when he is uh, speaking to the um, the the guy he's interrogating yeah um it the that character felt very familiar toward batman in a way that i don't feel like would be natural in that situation um like there was a a back and forth and like a banter Mm. yeah yeah that didn't feel right like here this was an example i remember that stuck out to me when he was talking to alfred Right, and he goes, "Were I a betting man, I'd I would wager a tidy sum that his wife will be stupid enough to stick by him." When has Batman ever know. said, "I'd wager, I I'd be willing to uh, wager a tidy sum"? Even this one. Well, on. you'd better go and sign up again, hadn't you? Yeah, that one. Hadn't you? Yeah. My my gauge is always if I can hear Kevin Conroy say it, it doesn't bother me. That one got me. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Conroy. You know, like. <laughs> I I did enjoy the dark humor. I, I mean, I don't know if it was meant to be humor, but I took it as funny. The way he's like, um, I'll, uh, because Batman never kills. I'll never kill you ever. Haven't you realized that? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. that's very dark, it but is. it but it works. Uh, I, at least I thought so. Um, I found one other example where uh, he goes to the bar and he and the the guy's like, oh god. Not us again. And he goes, <laughs> don't bleed. And like yeah. bleeding is like the sound that like sheep make. Sheep make. Yeah. yeah. What? What American person is saying that? You know what I mean? Like it, it sounds. What Batman is saying that? Yeah. It sounds very European. And like that's okay. Like I'm not, you know, that that's not inherently bad or whatever. Like this is clearly his own version of batman right like he's offing half the rogues gallery in this issue so like whatever but it it does feel a bit odd yeah it was really um there were spaces where i was like oh my god this is awesome like when he tells the dude on the edge of the roof you can walk away whenever (laughs) yeah right (laughs) that's great insane like i wish that was in a movie i want to see that that's so good or like how when he turns the light out and he goes remember constantine the batman never kills like that's creepy like that's cool you know yeah definitely and 
And in some of those, like Liam Sharp draws, he he draws Batman. You know, like I really love the pointy ears that he does. Um, his Batman is very tall and uh, scary without having like he's not bulky and brutish like the the Dark Knight uh, Returns and stuff like that. He looks like a vampire or something. He's menacing, you know. He's menacing. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, creepy like he's got like a dracula kind of edge to him you know it's like spooky and imposing but not in like a big obvious you know like doomsday kind of a way you know it's like it's more subtle it's more it's more eerie and cool you know it reminds me of the old uh norm brayfogle stuff um real tall you know tall years at the time you know very different batman time but you know he had the blue look to him um, and everything was pointy. Everything was, um, you know, uh, big and exaggerated. Uh, if you can get one of the, your hands on one of these Norm Brayfogle collections, you absolutely should. I like how you pretty much never see his eyes. Yeah. Hmm. I was also high on that 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 first scene where he, you know, baits yeah. that guy to swing on him, and he just shits on him. Like that was awesome. That was good. <laughs> Uh, just so, also the way that guy was drawn though like what the fuck like he's reminds me of uh wilson fisk in spider verse where you're like why is he so giant like he's so yeah. giant he's so much bigger than batman who looks like he's like seven feet tall and why is his his lawyer like two feet tall like there's a ton why is uh mad hatter one foot tall like there's so much exaggeration I thought Mad Hatter was Penguin the first time because he was so little, and then I was like, "Wait, no, what?" <laughs> I don't like. I bet his hat is as tall as he is. Yeah, it's nuts. It's good but, stuff, uh, though. It's pretty cool. It's it's cool. It's interesting. I'm I'm definitely compelled and not like turned off, but I could see. I can definitely see how I could become turned off. Next issue, if it leans too far in the direction of the stuff we've been critical of i would jump off instantly regardless of the story just because i'm struggling to deal with the dialogue and some of the art in spaces i would just be like all right this isn't for me um but there was definitely enough here for me to want to continue the story is whatever really i came here because it's garth ennis and liam sharp and they didn't disappoint but it's not what i expected either there's not much movement no it's very moody. It's very like scene scene chewing. Like Batman just yeah. like being Batman for a few pages, and that's it. And that's cool. Like I'll, I'm down. I read it. I enjoyed it. Um, and it is a black label book, so of course he has carte blanche. It feels like he can do whatever he wants. Like they just destroyed several villains with no problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm into it. I'm, I'm interested in what happens next. Yeah, I, I would say I agree with you. I don't really feel like I have much to add. I think it's yeah. it's it's cool stuff. So that's going to do it for our reviews this week. If there's a book you want us to review any given week, definitely write in and let us know, and we will review. We are very open to suggestions. In fact, we did Venom 200 uh, last week, I think, just based on one of our Discord members uh, wanting us to do it. So we're very open to that. Um, write in with your thoughts while you're thinking about us make sure that you hit that follow button review 
Uh, give us a rating wherever it is that you're listening to us. If that happens to be YouTube, make sure that you guys are subscribing for free, liking the video, sharing it with your friends, and dropping us a comment. Uh, we are always talking about the characters you love and all the places you can find them on our main show, which drops every single Monday. We do news, interviews, and then we also do reviews every single week, just like this. And then on Wednesdays, we put out the image reviews day and date. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, definitely tune in. We'd be happy to have you come join our Discord server. And thanks for listening. Until next time, we're the Comics Files signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. <laughs>